Hello and welcome to another episode of the Point Forward Podcast. We uh, run into some technical difficulties tonight for some reason, but we're recording during the Game 2 of Portland-Denver. Uh, Denver trying to battle back in the second half, down by 15 right now. But to talk about this series, everything else, and other stuff that's going on around the league. PJ, what's up, man? Welcome back. Yes, I've returned from King's Landing. <laughs> yes, we tried King's Landing zone. <laughs> Why do you do that, man? No one knows that we didn't do like that. We recorded for five minutes and it didn't work. I can't. I'm not good enough of an actor that I. I just got to be honest, and I. I want people to know when. You know, people. I we've mentioned before that we when use the cast. pod sucks and say we had the good one, but it, it failed to record. I don't know if it was the good one. <laughs> Told uh, joke. well, once again, my King's Landing Zone joke would be fine if you were just not snickering over there before I delivered it, and actually just laughing because it's a good joke. <laughs> but even when you did it the first time. It was good. I'm sure it would have made some of the listeners laugh. You just have such a hardened stance to my comedy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't mean to poke you in the eye. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we'll, uh, we'll work past it. Hopefully, I haven't thrown off our chemistry for the rest of this podcast here but it might be dislocated uh, if i had a dislocated uh, middle finger i'd stick it up and point it at you from our two separate locations since it's healthy you can't do that (laughs) yeah yeah i only do that if it's messed up so you'd be like look at my messed up finger okay makes sense off to a uh, roaring start. See, like we, I swear, if we had that first five minutes of the other episode, man, what could have been? Well, we I still have it. Maybe I can I can put that over this one that we can just pick up from <laughs> uh, Denver, Portland, which is we might as well start there. So, uh, you know, game one, Denver ended up winning pretty handily. They we haven't talked since the end of the Spurs series they won in seven close uh close obviously a close series there Blazers had a little more rest winning in five against the Thunder uh I think most people have Portland given how well they played against the Thunder I really like the Nuggets I I think the Blazers are gonna have a tough time matching up against the Nuggets but I do think it's gonna be a close series uh what do you think who do you have in this series? What do you think of the, of game one and thus far through game two? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I like Denver. I think, I mean, I wasn't sure necessarily the um, kind of going in, but I like it was there. The matchups, I, I think, definitely favored Denver on multiple reasons, but the biggest just being that they have Jokic and there's no one on. Portland that I thought could, and then they're one in game one that showed they can stop him. Um, it would just really be like a an idea of if, if Dame could literally carry this team for another playoff series, or if the you know Denver's very deep and expansive unit, and, and just like 
from all fronts, like what they would be able to do to exploit Portland. And I mean, like I, I honestly, I think they could almost eat just off of Jokic and Paul Millsap, um, who I think have both. I mean, I, I think if between Mo Harkless, Aminu, Cantor, and uh, Zach Collins, and I'm trying to who who, who oh, I'm missing one other guy that they've been throwing out there, or has that been the four? Uh, that's been the four, I think. Yeah, like none of those guys make me think they can stop either one of those dudes. And Millsap's shown a lot of the like throughout his career, like even in the season in the season when he's had those mismatches, like he's not afraid to go at those and attack and exploit the crap out of it. So, and I mean he was dominant. Jokic has been incredible for basically. I mean the last probably four or five games. I mean he's that uh, he's been playing in these playoffs has been. Um, sensational and like if he was able to make it past the Spurs like there's nothing that the Blazers I saw could do to slow him down that the you know Spurs tried to do and he was still able to to get what he wanted yeah I mean it's he has I don't know how under the radar it really is but he's he's shooting almost 50-49 in the playoffs putting up 25-12 and 9 He's been unbelievable. He's he's definitely the reason uh, that they were able to get through the second round. They need someone else to play. Some they need one of their wings to play consistent, solid basketball for them. Like Murray, yeah, has been all over the. I mean that that is not the big knock on Murray, but also why people love him is that you get these flashes of him being. At, unbelievable like in game two in the fourth quarter when he just took over and he's had some you know 40 plus point games during the regular season that he's capable of just completely wrecking house and borderline unstoppable on the offensive end and he has a really good he has really good chemistry with Jokic but on the nights you're not getting his best like tonight where they're losing to Portland uh, those are the nights you really need Barton and Gary Harris and some bench guys to kind of step up and Barton they've had they've had a tough time getting him going he's had a bad playoffs thus far too so um, I think the key there is like I don't I do how good Jokic has been given how good Jokic has been I don't see Portland being able to beat them in a seven game series unless we get supernova dame which is possible like he's shown us that in the Brute. first round, and so I Portland's gonna go as far as he can take them, but uh, I I I definitely definitely like Nuggets going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think the the one piece for like the inconsistent play though is that it's just Denver's had the luxury of sort of with their depth and and the amount of guys that can just throw at into a game and and get like find the level of production that they need to be successful and win. Like, it's really just more of, like, Mike Malone's had to do some in-game management of just swapping out parts so he gets the the same running machine going in a lot of the times. But um, I think Denver, like, it, it, to me, I'd be interested, like, your feelings on it, but it just feels like them being able to beat the Spurs with such a big weight of just, like, that team – um, they just when they were playing on um, 
well, what was their game? It was Monday night. Uh, mm-hmm. It just like they they were playing. I felt like a lot lighter, and it just uh, it it does even like in this game right now. Looking at it, I mean, it doesn't feel like they're out of it, or they're just like even with the struggles of Mur- like no one seems to have their head down, and there's just a confidence about them that overall I I think they're going to continue and just like you know Jokic's play at this point, it's like they all have their playoff legs right now, so. They they've kind of they they've gotten past that first playoff series. This group getting their first uh, playoff series win, the first I think since two thousand nine for the Nuggets. Um, I think that's huge. I mean, that's just that is a big hurdle, even though it's insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Like for a core group, I think to win that first playoff series for it to go to Game Seven with a team that everyone just you know, has so much respect for a program, like with the Spurs that just, I mean, I thought it, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I know we talked, you know, in between recordings and stuff too, just like, are the Spurs going to spur this and somehow upset the, upset the nuggets? Well, it didn't look great when they were up two one. Right. But, um, they, they fought hard in in game six to force force the series to go seven yeah but that's uh, where it nugget. felt like it right i mean that's where yeah, it, i mean because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, denver looked right. really good for games four and five and then yeah the spurs grid out that game six wins <laughs> you got i had that feeling yeah the weird thing with with in that series is it did feel like you were gonna you were going to see DeRozan and Aldridge kind of get theirs on a night-to-night basis, but then it was the Derek Weiss of the world when he went off uh, that whenever they got a big contribution from a third guy was when he knew it was going to be a problem, and the Spurs were going to have a tough time against but it. Isn't, but isn't – that's almost like every team, though, right? It, I, I feel like more and more that's the – I've been noticing that more and more with some of these like swings of a few of these series. It's like you kind of have your two main t- guys for every team, and then it's all right. What's the who's the third best guy? Like, well, what are definitely they doing? the it's definitely the case of the Blazers. Nuggets. I feel like it's one guy, and then a, a lot of other good options after that. Right? It's like I think with the Nuggets, it, it's Jokic, and he, everything is running through him. He's getting other guys involved. And while Jamal is the second, like he is the, if they're gonna have playmaking outside of Jokic, he seems to be kind of the second guy that they go to. Yeah, Jokic is kind of the singular guy that they're running through. The Warriors are weird in that they, they're running. You know, they have the luxury <laughs> of being able to run through many guys. Uh, well, they're them. It's it's either is is it KD or is it Steph and everyone around like. It's either KD's taking over by himself or Steph and the rest of the OG Warriors are kind of, you know, playing that, that style that got them to where they're at. Right, but I, I don't know. I, I see your point, but I, you're seeing a lot of different variations of that between, like, the Nuggets I do think are different. And yeah. And if you look over in the East, like, the Sixers on a nice tonight basis, like, you could have – you could have four different guys be be the you know the number one option for them. I think sure. it's, more, it's most no, likely going to be Jimmy, but 
No, I meant it as far as like, all right, here's our one and two. Like, you're gonna get at least two of those guys that are gonna be playing well. But if two of those, if two, you know, if, if it's Jimmy and Joel one night, but Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons struggle, kind of like in game, you know, it's whatever the case may be. If you don't have the third third piece kind of thing to get going, like that's that's where you've seen a lot of these teams lose is they don't have that third piece. Yeah. Um, stepping up or that's where the drop off is yeah but um so you like the nuggets in that series too uh i think yeah i think in a seven game set i just it would be damian lillard would be um need to be like put into a different status if he's able to win two playoff series like shooting and and putting up the kind of numbers he'd put up in that series against Oklahoma City. If he's able to do that against like this entire Denver unit, can't be mad like he's <laughs> he's incredible then. Like he's in a different different stratosphere as far as uh, stars in the league go. Yeah, well, he's our he's definitely already in his own stratosphere as far as late game situations and the guy that that you want to have the ball in his hands like he's Oh, yeah. He's he's, dude, he's real. I mean, he's like a real I mean, he's I think a legitimate yeah, if anything, that Oklahoma City thing, I think it's shirt up for a lot of people. Is like, that's a number one dude on a team for sure. Like, that's not a, that's not anything be below that. That's, um, yeah, he's incredible. He's been incredible in these playoffs, though. So then, if we go to the other Western Conference playoff matchup, we've got King's Landing Zone. We've got the Warriors and the Rockets. The matchup everyone was really excited to see. Warriors thus far have proven to be way too much for the Rockets to handle through games one and games yeah. two. Not that they've been blowing them out, but it just didn't at no point in game one or game two did it really feel like the Rockets had it in the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they made things interesting towards the end of game one, and the big narrative out of that game was like, Whoa, what's going on with the officiating? I like I I'm curious to know what what you have to think about uh, the Draymond closeout towards the end of the game that didn't get called. I didn't really have a problem with that at all. Uh, Clay was under James Harden for a couple earlier in the game that I I don't necessarily disagree. But like honestly, I I don't I don't think it really ended up affecting the game all that much. I I don't know. What do you think about the officiating game one and? Who you like going forward? I mean, I thought game. I mean, I thought the officiating was bad in game one, uh, but kind of like it was inconsistent. I mean, it was consistently bad though for both sides, and like I didn't really have a problem while watching it. Like the landing zone stuff. I mean, it just seemed like the Rockets were trying to just do a lot to get those calls, and then the refs just weren't calling it, and they were kind of being ridiculous and trying to like continue to get those calls. <laughs> Yeah, right. trying to, to draw those calls. But, I mean, I thought there were some just bad – I thought it was a bad uh, and a poor officiating game, but I didn't have an issue specifically with that. But, I mean, it's been cons- it was consistent in that game, though. I mean, what they were calling or not calling was consistent for both sides. There wasn't that favorable – I didn't think there was any sort of favorable leaning towards the Warriors in particular. Yeah, that's um, not what I saw. You thought there was that? No, no, no. I mean, like, I did not see officiating that was 
that was leaning one way or the other. No, I did not but, see a you know favoritism. I but agree. it was. I I think the calls on some of the calls were made on Sunday's game compared to like wasn't necessarily like my cup of tea of like how I want a basketball game called. Um, but it was consistent. Like it was you know after about you know twenty minutes in that game as as the plays were developing like. You knew it was going to be a foul and wasn't going to be a foul. So, like, that can't be the excuse for the Rockets. Um, overall, it was a really sloppy, bad game one, two. So, it just like there was a lot of bad in that game in general that I um, kind of ignored and, like, want to kind of forget about now because I think game two, like, I do think this will be a six-game series. I think Houston will um, – you know, make a strong stand at home. But at the same time, uh, if you get what you got last night out of the Warriors, like, they were um, incredible on defense. I mean, they were engaged the entire time. I mean, they had a few lapses in the second, and then, um, you know, the third quarter, Houston was able to – I mean, once James Harden uh, – it seems like he kind of got his bearings after he heard um, – after he got both eyes scratched um, – kind of got his bearings and they did go on that run in the the third but like what you were saying um kind of about the spurs you know just like the the feeling like there was no point in that game last night that i thought the rockets were gonna win like i thought for sure that game one houston had a chance and they just got in their own way in some ways and just they weren't making shots um the way that the warriors were engaged and how they were playing um you know, as a team on the defensive end last night, there was, I had zero doubt they were going to come away with that win. Um, and, you know, in general, like it was, I mean, you had a good game from stat, or from, from Clay and Draymond. Katie was um, continuing to add to his great playoffs. Um, and, you know, Steph, Steph got hurt as well, dislocating his, uh, his wrist. But um, did you, the, I mean, what did you think of in general? Because there was that stretch in the second where when James Harden got hurt, I mean, Houston did play kind of you know well without him for a stretch there. Like, is Which that is, well? I think that's why you want Chris Paul, right? Is that you? It's not like you have a trash point guard that you're having to run yeah. the offense through. So that certainly helps. Um, this is what I. I mean, James Harden has not. If they're going to beat the Warriors, James Harden needs to play James Harden MVP-style basketball, which we have not yeah. seen since games one and games two against the Jazz. Like he, game, well, game three, he was really good. Okay, so yeah, game, yeah. games one through three against the Jazz, but he, ever since then, has been just in a... he. Part of his game is the ability to draw fouls. No, you know, that's yeah. not a secret. But it seems to me like he is relying so heavily on that as opposed to, um, you know, it'd be one basketball. thing if, yeah, just playing within the rhythm of the game. Oh, totally. Uh, Damn. And it's, I think it certainly would help if he was trying to get, like, attack the basket a little, a little bit more. It's just all step back, um, which, you know, I think, I think a big reason that that is happening they're just they're not running pick and roll as much because they they can't against the warriors i think they put they ran a little bit more in game two capella well, had some more success clint like, capella has been 
terrible so far. I mean, he was really bad in game one. I know he's been sick. Marginable in game two. So, yes, I I mean, they they need to win on the offensive glass, and they really need James Harden to be an MVP caliber guy out there. And if he gets outplayed by by a KD every night, they are going to get swept. So, well, the thing, I mean, KD's going to get his shots in this series. I like, I just, I, I don't think. I mean, outside, like, P.J. Tucker has been the only person that's been able to force KD to take some, like, inefficient, like, some difficult shots that every everyone else, like, the minute they've gotten any matchup, like, even when, you know, they've been getting Eric Gordon on KD, like, anytime KD's going to take a shot against Eric Gordon, he's going to make it, you know. <laughs> it's not, yeah. I don't know if he misses it, it's not anything Eric Gordon did to stop him. No, he just does that st- Dirk step back like let me put my knee up in the air and then there's you know I I can see I can barely even see Eric Gordon when I'm jumping like he had one a, against a Chris shot. Paul um in game what was just like yeah Chris Paul like kind of put him in a bad position and he was like on this one foot like the wrong like one foot like did a fade away like backwards like it was <laughs> yeah I mean that's just you're not going to stop that yeah, he's getting his dirk on, that's for sure. But, I mean, so probably this is probably the right time to call out how amazing KD has been in this playoffs. I mean, he's been since he said I'm KD, he has been unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, people were giving him crap about the uh Pat Bev stuff and he just he's he's answered since then. I think they've also like deferred to him a lot more um at moments and it's it's not something like that's crazy. I mean, like Steve Kerr did this last year, and sometimes like where he was just like, "You've got to go. Like we need you to go." And it's it is a really big luxury. And it's like I had a laugh at the conception of like taking that Clippers series and being like, "Well, is this gonna be more trouble for the play?" Like we 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 got to remember right now the current state of the Warriors is like they have that second and that third gear they can go to that no one else can hit. So, like, yeah, if they're just not playing their best, like, the teams are going to be able to hang with them, right? right. Uh, and that's – I do – you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that lull kind of happens in, on, in game three when they go back to Houston, like, because the bench for the Warriors hasn't been great. And, you know, all it takes is James Harden to, you know, figure it out and to find his shot in one of these games, and it, it changes things a lot. I mean, if, if Houston's able to make more of – I mean, Austin Rivers was, was huge for them yesterday, and it didn't, like, it didn't really do much because, like, there, there hasn't been that consistent contribution from enough uh, role players on Houston for the first two games for, like, to me to really see it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's the potential because they just – they've perfected that style – um, within their team to play that certain way. It's just that you need the pieces to, to each do their own part. So let's uh, let's move to the East. Let's talk about your boy Giannis. He bounced back in a, in a huge way in Game 2 against the Celtics. We're going to save the best for last. You want to save that for last? We can save that for last. I just... We've waited th- this long to talk about Giannis. I assumed you'd be chomping at the bit, man. I'm. I, I, we can. We can. Uh, we can talk about my guy. 
<laughs> hey, did you see his shoe? No. Oh, there. Yeah, there's a picture of him with the shoe. You gotta check that out, dude. When he was walking um, in yesterday, he wasn't wearing it. Um, there. Yeah, yeah. Just Google. Just Google. You'll find it. But um, Giannis, wow, what a real uh, friend. Giannis drops a image of it and you don't send it to me just to make sure i'm sorry that's my fault uh so other than me being a shitty friend what mm-hmm. do you th- what do you think about the bucks chances of going back to boston one one in that series so i Nervous? thought i mean i think this will probably end up going seven um but i was pretty proud of this the, the struggle i mean first off uh, Al Horford, man, like, could you ask for, like, just a better, <laughs> just got, like, I mean, if, if Al Horford was on the Bulls, and I mean, hopefully he is in, in Wendell Carter, you know, a younger version of Al Horford, like, just, like, the most consistent, like, badass, like, dude, just, you're gonna get the same, like, you know, 88 overall kind of performance from him at any time, you know, you're, it's not gonna waver much. And in these playoffs, I mean, he's he might be the best guy at stopping Giannis. In the, I mean, they did this last year in the playoff series, and it did struggle. I mean, not to the degree. I mean, but he dominated Giannis on Sunday. Like, I, you can't. There, you know, I would be the biggest clown ever if I didn't admit that. Um, but I was super proud of Giannis that he didn't waver from. You know, his his approach to anything, and I mean, he was still aggressive, still finding, you know, his shots and doing what he needs to do for the Bucks, and he was incredible last night, um, and answered. But like, I think Al Horford is going to make it difficult on him every every game, and there's gonna be moments where Al Horford's gonna be able to help, you know, stop. I think it also helps that you know the Bucks were able to shoot forty seven threes last night. Yeah, it helps when Chris Middleton starts the game off as hot as he was, and uh, and Bledsoe Bledsoe came up and like helped. In Bledsoe the, played well last night too, and that's like he was the guy for me that I was the most kind of focused in on. Um, I it shifts to then what Giannis you know has to do with, um, what what the um, Celtics you know were what, what Al Horford really was able to impose his will on Giannis and really affect how Giannis is able to get buckets in game one. But, um, yeah, like Bledsoe, Bledsoe dropped the ball last season for sure when they um, – and it was, he got in his little thing between him and Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier a little bit. I was, like, hoping now – like, that was a benefit to not have Marcus Smart really in this series was that Bledsoe just focus on what he needed to do. Um, and yeah, he stepped up big. Um, but I mean, the Celtics last night also looked lost. Um, they couldn't score. Yeah, I mean, the, and that stretch in the third quarter was brutal. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks were able to adjust to kind of they were able to defend that pick and roll, which Kyrie's been so good at this season, uh, and and were able to te- you know adjust to, to that. And and Kyrie was. Kyrie was really bad last night um, and didn't look right and wasn't able to really find any sort of rhythm. Like, he just looked off the entire game. He had maybe, like, a two-minute stretch there, I think, in the end of the second quarter where 
he kind of looked like himself and he just he never he was never able to really find like a, a groove at all he was taking he was missing just some shots in general that like he i i've seen him make you know, a thousand times i feel like well yeah he um he was amazing game one mm-hmm. and uh yeah they're gonna they're gonna need those types of performances out of him if they have a shot at beating the bucks because i agree like to go back to your point about Al Horford, he's been great. He played great last night. Uh, you know, if Giannis is able to hit a couple of threes um, and get in the open court, and Horford can't, and if the rest of the team and Horford are not getting to stop, like stopping him in transition, like there, which is a difficult yeah. thing to do, I recognize. And that. he got a lot. I mean. They, I think the refs did help a little bit. Like with Yami, mean, Giannis went to the line like ten times in the first quarter. Yeah, at least that. I want to say it was even more than that. And uh, it's it's gonna be hard fought for him, no question. Um, but I mean, it was big. Boy, that was a big boy moment for him to to answer. Really, like I mean, that first round was a cakewalk for them. So like his first resilience to come out with that performance. Um, the thing that I'm like was looking it really came to me yesterday though, and like I hope it kind of continues is like, you know, Marcus Morris has been making a, a couple has has been shooting decent for the Celtics, and it's like kind of one of the best things that happen for the Bucks is that he's making shots and like continuing to like when he gets the ball look to shoot because I don't think that's sustainable, and then he's gonna just not look to swing the ball farther like there was at least two times he got the ball shot at and he's def like uh jason tatum was standing in the corner open on a, at least one transition and another possession um and if they're just gonna forget jason tatum, if jason tatum like we're just gonna forget he's on the court and same with gordon hayward like those guys are just gonna disappear at moments like they did yesterday like Forget they are even on the uh, playing right now. Um, you know that's amazing for the Bucks. Like that's perfect because that's really what I'm more concerned about in anything is like that. There's there are matchups that the Bucks individual matchups that the Celtics should be able to, to exploit, um, but they just they have kind of ignored it. Or what I whatever that was last night by the the Celtics like that ain't it. Yeah, it it was bad. They got no, they didn't get enough contributions from the bench. It, Kyrie was really bad, and if I think point blank, if Kyrie is bad, unless some really wonky stuff is happening with the Bucks offense, they're gonna they're not gonna be able to win that yeah. game. But, but you make uh, the argument right that you know the Celtics did what they needed to do, and that was just to pick up home court advantage. Now I mean, the I think pressure. yeah, they're happy going back to Boston and being one one. Yeah, for sure. I I mean I think this will it's gonna play out be seven games I bet the Bucks take one in in Boston and two two coming back to Milwaukee yeah I bet I mean then from there it's um is what it is but I think it's uh you know the cell I think the the you know if you're the Bucks and I I just I wanted this last year from them and I just hope they're maybe ready for it but. I remember saying it last year too when they lost to Boston. It's like you were the better team than them last year, and and you let them beat you. Just play better than you. So I don't know if they're necessary. I think they're they're 
far more even like as a one four matchup. Um, if the Celtics come and like do what they're supposed to do, but the Celtics have been pretty inconsistent this year, despite having all their guys, um, and the Bucks have been the definition of consistent <laughs> all season, and you know they responded last night. So really, it's like continue to do that, continue to be you know yourself, and uh, let Boston have to sort it out, but just don't let give them enough time. Like step on their throats while you have the chance. Yeah, if if I'm if on the Bucks, I mean they're gonna go in trying to win every game, right? But I'd definitely be trying to make a statement win in Game Three if they can win yeah. in Boston in Game Three. I think that really bodes well for them going forward. But uh, I I agree. I think it's gonna go seven. I I like the Bucks in seven though. I just think they're the better team. They have the best player in the series, and I think Giannis does enough to to get it done. But let's um. Let's move on to Raptors Sixers, another series tied at one one. Game two just being a really weird game, a very not the most fun offensive game to watch. But if you I watched, text you, it was Brick City. Yeah, it was bad. It was rough. Uh, it was it was bad. Um, but that's kind of know. that was good for the that was good for the Sixers. And that was the perfect game for Jimmy Butler to be Jimmy Butler. Yes, uh, absolutely. Like grimy, and, gritty, just like let Jimmy take all his wild ass like kind of shots and just well, <laughs> go and, ISO and, a lot of that. Like that's, I mean, it, it called for it. it. wasn't I wasn't mad about it at the time, and I love to make fun of Jimmy trying to be Mister you know Hero Ball, but it was it was necessary for that game. Yeah, he. I mean, he he stepped up to the plate, right? Like you, he definitely deserves some shit for. Uh, game one him being well for game one and all right he you know he's gonna be the closer for this team but he he stepped up to the plate in game two and he's the reason why they were able to to maintain their lead and and end up winning the game but what i'll say is that this you and i have talked about this before i think the raptors are just such a terrible matchup for the sixers because they can make mb's life tougher than any, i i think marcus Saul, like it can't he can't move he's the one guy joel can't move is is marcus Saul. and then abaka and siakam they're they're not going to pose that problem but they are not they're solid defenders with a lot of length that are are tougher than most when going up against Embiid, so like they have three competent guys that can yeah. they can make Embiid's life tough, and Embiid I don't think is a hundred percent right now. Um, well, he's he well he hear him after he's the battling he had the ships. He had the shits. Oh uh, well, he had the shits. But some bubble but he, gut. He was battling some knee issues throughout the net series. Still only caused him to miss one game, and he's played in games one of games two of this series, but. I don't think he's feeling 100%, dealing with some shits. Uh, His words, not mine. They need Embiid to have some big games to win because they have done a good job of neutralizing Ben Simmons. I don't know what's going on with Tobias Harris. He's been just off. Uh, And they're lucky that they got just horrid shooting performances out of uh, Lowry and Siakam in game two. Otherwise, this would be 2-0 going back to Philly. Well, that's the yeah. You you hit on what I wanted to bring up, which yeah, was just that the Raptors shot so bad in that game, and for the Celtics, I mean, for the Sixers to barely win, and like 
it to be that gritty, grindy kind of game. Uh, to my favorite hockey terms ever. Gritty, grindy. Uh, Gritty, grindy, baby. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they were playing in Toronto, so it's appropriate. Uh, like, that kind of... Uh, like, you're not going to get that. Like, you can't rely on that, for sure. I mean, I would almost say, like, at this point, like, can we rely... Can we, like, rely on, on Joel to do something that just doesn't seem like he's able to do, and that's, like, move Marcus all? <laughs> Cause I yeah. I think you almost have to like look at him as the you know can he cancel it out or you know anything you get out of him is a bonus but I feel like you have to start looking at like ways to get Ben Simmons going get Ben Simmons like easier looks and buckets and like allow him to score effectively because if that doesn't happen like I mean that, that seems like the next best option for them to try to get some easy offense. Yep, I'm. Uh, I, I. I think Philly. I think Philly's gonna end up running away with this one. Uh, really. Um. Oh, so I, I, well, I think Toronto's gonna end up. Ra- I'm sorry, I misspoke. I I think Toronto. He's like after up, all we just said. I'm like really, I was not yeah, expecting uh, that. I, I'm sorry, I just misspoke. Sorry. Uh, I I I don't I don't see this going more than six games. I think the Raptors oh. are, like. Uh, Kawhi has been. Kawhi has been great in games one and games two. Yeah, they haven't found a way to really stop him. I don't, you know, unless we see some just crazy shooting games out of Tobias and J.J. Redick, like, they just don't have, they don't have the bench and they don't have the shooting. And given, unless, I mean, the the Raptors would just really have to forget how to play defense, I think, for for this series. Or Embiid is going to have to go nuclear. So, I I mean, um, I just don't see it happening. Uh, uh, I think, I think there's there. another gear for for the 76ers. I mean, I think game one is like that's going to be like that's optimal Toronto. And like, I don't know if I yeah I don't know how many of those games the Sixers are going to be able to win. But I don't I mean, I was at the same time. How many of those games are the Raptors going to be able to put together overall? I, 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 I thought this was also going to go seven. Um uh, there, there's, but you know, with Kawhi is he's great, but I mean, there's some inconsistencies as far as the other guys around him on in Toronto, and it just feels like to me that the Philly has a second gear that's like way easier to get to than if they're they're like Toronto as a whole can is like the better just effective team, but there's a there's another gear that the Philly can go if they, you know, can figure it out in the series um, and win, you know, pull off, you know, winning three more games. Yeah. I, I don't see it, but it's, I mean, they have the talent to, I, I just haven't seen enough flashes of them being, yeah, them being able to I mean, do it against this team through two games. Well, before uh, this, uh, did you see the stat, uh, how Kawhi had been like was undefeated against the Sixers? No, he was like fourteen and zero, and then like that was the first time he's ever lost to the Sixers. Wow, that's kind of crazy, right? That is crazy, and yeah, I just uh, benefits Kawhi, you. Kawhi, yeah, Kawhi's been unbelievable. I, I like them there, but uh, a few other it's things. Gonna be great on the Clippers of, next year. Yeah, for sure. 
a, a few other things around the league. Pop coming back to San Antonio, signed a three-year contract extension. Um, not really surprised, although I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he does not end up seeing the end of that contract. Oh, but, I think uh, you'll see the end of that. It does make me wonder if this offseason has something interesting in store for it for the Spurs because they just – I mean, I don't think that he could be going into the offseason being like, yeah, I mean, DeRozan and LaMarcus, that's, that's our answer for being able to make a run at the finals. I just I don't see it. So it'll be interesting. I don't really know what options they're going to have this summer i don't really know what their cap looks like off the top of my head um yeah i mean dude i think he just like they'll 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 make adjustments and i mean they're always been savvy as far as who they bring in and what they're they're kind of do with whatever kind of you know situation they've been in going in off season but um they also get will get to jante murray back next year yeah, that will addition. obviously help. That's a big, that's a nice addition for them. Um, no, I mean it's cool. I mean I think yeah, we'll probably this will probably be the last you know three years stretch for him. Um, you know he still has USA Basketball too, but I would I would assume this might be his last contract he signs with the Spurs. But who knows, man? Yep, I think so too. But I I mean I think he I mean he was getting a lot of love for. Uh, what he did with this team this year, um, I think a lot of it's deserving. You know, imagine if they had beat Denver, like just the f- fest that would have just gone on about him. Yeah. Yep. And everything, but I mean, it just—I mean, in general, like he's just—it seems like he's still, um, you know, really just enjoys coaching, no matter who he's who he's got. Uh, and then let's talk briefly. What did you think about the Wolves hiring uh, Rosas at the, as their president of basketball operations? I, I'm ecstatic. I think this bodes. Are you? I am. I mean, I, 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 I it would have been cool. It would have been cool to see what happened with Chauncey. Um, it was cool to see him being considered, and would have been happy to see him come through the door. But like, I think that they this. This is probably a squad that could use some some insight in the in the analytics department. Uh, we have a basketball player paid a lot of money to. He's not super efficient. Uh, his name's Andrew Wiggins, uh, and it would be nice for someone to come in and say, "Hey, you're not taking good shots." <laughs> I mean, that's the in? that was really my only thing. I I can't pretend like I know anything about him. I just know he was interviewing for the T Wolves job and the uh, Wizards job. Wizards, yeah. But yeah, that was my big thing that I figured you were not gonna waste a moment to bring up was the Andrew Wiggins in the room, uh, and just like if he can figure that out or figure out you know what to build around it to get something out of Andrew Wiggins, like good job, man. Like. <laughs> That's almost the the job at this point. Obviously, it's to build out the roster and you know get the best of whatever. But um, you know they're not going to be able to move Andrew Wiggins at all. So it's I feel like at least year one is is in part yeah. How do we get Andrew Wiggins to be effective? 
Yeah, so I, I mean, who knows? He's he's been with the Rockets organization for a long time, and which I think most would consider uh, a really uh, one of the better organizations in in the league. And oh, so, for sure. All in all, uh, happy with the hire. Interested to see. Glad that it's not. Uh, this I'm glad the president is not the same as the coach, and this should be you know optimistic at least. But I didn't um, wasn't able to like is, is Ryan Saunders going to stay on then as coach? Yep, that's cool. Yep, yeah. Which you know, I mean that the, those guys like bad. him a lot. I mean that's that's like all I really can say. Like I didn't watch enough of them in the back half. See what yeah. he's doing, but and if um, they ended up outside not of second him- half, cat. <laughs> Yeah, and if they if they ended up not keeping him around, I think that's okay if you're bringing in someone you're feeling really good about. But I don't really know who that would be. Uh, Kevin you know, McKay. A lot. Yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of great college coaches that you could try to get. Uh, Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, I don't. Think they were gonna get Fred. I think. I think if Fred was interested, maybe that would have been on the table. But look, man, we uh, Fred's too loyal to take the job away from flips kid well that's very nice of him he godspeed nebraska fred i'm sure we'll be talking about could it be a a podcast without me mentioning fred hoiberg no i i mentioned andrew wiggins you mentioned fred hoiberg it's this happens every time we do this but we're not gonna mention that team that's located near me though nope this is gonna be a first or we'll Ah, see we didn't talk about the last few times but let's uh, let's t- before we call it a day here, man. Let's let's talk Thrones quick. So spoiler alert: we did not talk about episode two. I I don't think we talked about episode two in a pod, but you and I both really liked it. Yeah, it was enjoyable. We don't need to talk about it here though because it's irrelevant to just what was uh, an unforgettable viewing experience, just of of a singular TV episode um so first question the first question i have is do you feel differently about the episode now having sat on it for a handful of days versus when you were watching it live no but like in general like it was saying like i was super entertained like it had me going up and down and like doing weird shit on my couch like i was watching some like an actual live kind of event unfolding um I you know I had no problems with just like the I mean like Grant yeah you could make fun and like yeah the actual like execution of their plan but like the the episode and what that was going on and stuff like no man like I I was I was good with it um, obviously like the end is incredible and just like I was really just blown away by how um, nonchalantly but like to perfection they just lulled us all into kind of forgetting about Arya for 20 minutes and then to, to have that moment um it was really well done i mean yeah you can i don't really know what the like actual sort of critiques were about the i mean i know a lot of people were saying that their like tvs were too dark and stuff, which I think that so was like mainly I streaming did, and stuff. I did like, I streamed it. I did not have a problem with it. I streamed it on my my TV, on my Xbox though. But yeah, I had no the issues. only the only visual part of the episode I was having a tough time was with the dragons as they were fighting. 
very yeah, difficult but that's to just see. like, and that might not have been even the darkness. I just couldn't really see it. What was going on? It was just a weird um, some of that yeah stuff, but um, I no, I didn't have uh, any issues with it. And I kind of thought that this episode was going to end with them kind of eliminating the walkers, and I'm glad they did because. Um, I wanted the last kind of three episodes of Thrones to be kind of the, the focal point of it being like the political and just like a lot of that other, you know, the supernatural-ish portions of it is cool-ish, but like it, for me at least, isn't the main like hook of the show. It's the kind of back channel stuff. It's, you know, everything around it and, and the, the, seizing and monetizing of power um and yeah i mean like cersei did exactly it played out exactly how cersei wanted it to and that's why i wanted cersei view the world um so it looks like we're gonna get that um so i'm happy with that because if it was ending like the last four episodes were all like humans versus the white walkers like i i i don't know if i would look back on that as fondly because it's it wasn't what we you know had for the first seven seasons so i definitely felt differently about it um but all in all like what what like what was the what wasn't sitting well with you though after a few days so i'll answer that but before i get into that i will say i still feel as though it i was very happy with how episode three turned out and the battle battle of winterfell turned out i thought it was great in the moment and everything that happened with Arya killing the Night King, and I thought that was just an amazing moment of television. I was really, really excited and surprised, and I thought it was great. What I the things that I did have a problem with was I can get over what was happening with the Night King and not getting as much background and much of an explanation, and is not as much character building as what you'd want. Uh, that I would like to see those things, but like I can I can live without that because at the end of the day, you did know his purpose. Yeah, and, on, and it makes sense to me why he'd be going after Bran. Um, but what mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me is that they it seemed like they sacrificed some logic when it came to this battle just to make it look cool, and it's like, eh, well, come on, guys. I mean. You know, are you gonna have the Dothraki go kill themselves to start the fight? Like, is that really something yeah. that a, a logical person would plan to do? Especially uh, Jon Snow, who's who's been in, in battles like these before, not to this extent, right? But like big battles against, you know, someone just, had to go out first. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, why don't, why aren't you keeping those guys back, back letting? the whites and white walkers come to you horses then, aren't very good standing still well do you need the horses my point is like you you need numbers here like at some point it is a numbers game and if you just well, they send, never gonna have the numbers right but if you send those guys out it's just a guaranteed manslaughter and everyone's gonna be dead and that's exactly what happened and they knew they but were that's not the that's not the app that's like yeah that's bad planning that's on the yeah, you. That's but that's like care. I don't think so, that's but, like. But can you make me believe that that was honestly a plan that they thought would work? Because John's done a lot of stupid shit, man. John, John in the Battle of the Bastards is 
after Sansa told him whatever he do, like wants you to do, don't do it. And then he did that. You know, John's kind of a meathead. Like they could have thought like, oh, on horses, like yeah, they can take out some. End up with fire swords, like cool. I mean, I thought the shot and how the scene was was awesome. Well, that's my point um, is that I, I that's why I have. A but it doesn't make you like, surprised. That's what they would do. Like it was really cool, but I was like, no, this doesn't make sense that they would do this. And I'm you and I just aren't gonna agree on that. Like I don't, I don't think it makes sense. Oh, I mean, if I was I making the plan that. against them, yeah, you're probably right. But I'd be like, let him come to us. We'll, uh, yeah, we but are gonna, we are gonna leverage the fact that we have two dragons chilling here. We know we need to kill the Night King, and eventually the Night King is going to come with his dragon to try to kill these dragons, and that's when we need to try to take him down. But instead, they're like, we're going to send our dragons, abandon the wall. Well, that was Danny's fault. John followed. I know he did. No, man. I mean, that's like that's going into like character. Flaw. Like, but I just think those that's a part of the characters, and probably what you're making is better arguments why they're not great leaders. Well, but I suppose you could just blame that on you, – you could use that argument towards anything. I would think that when it came to the biggest battle of every single person that's fighting in it alive, that they would have a concrete plan to try to isolate the Night King and try to limit death. But instead, it seemed like let's just try shit and hope it works out. And it did. No, there was a plan. The plan just failed. Like that was the plan was to wait. Like John and Danny were supposed to wait for the Night King to reveal himself and go after Bran. And then like yeah, the Dothraki all getting slaughtered triggered Danny to go out there and like break the plan. And then everything else did kind of sort of unravel after that point. Right, but they at no point talked in the plan about all right, we're gonna send this this group of. Dothraki and Ghost out to go kill all of them when they knew that. But that's that just TV, man. That's more. That's like I understand on the t- that, but like I didn't it, need it the was game a, plan execution really beforehand. Cool shot. I didn't yeah. really understand that. You have these barracks that are behind your that are behind all of your force, all of your troops, and then you're struggling to get Danny to come light it, but John is sitting with his dragon right next to it. That didn't make sense either. So you have to have Melisandre come out and light this when you have a dragon like 10 feet from it. Okay, fine. Wasn't John uh, already flying around in the clouds no. with Danny? He had come down and landed next to the tree as they were trying to but light the dragon, it. But didn't the dragon get taken out? That was after. Oh, that was after no, yeah, okay. Yeah. So my my like that didn't really make sense either uh and you know everything after that like i said the episode while i was watching it i was like this is great and amazing and it just has these moments that are are really cool like when john is chasing after the night king and he raises them up in front of him and he you know that is just like such a debilitating thing you're like oh shit like i was honestly sitting with our with our buddy Tasha, I was like, Oh, this is it, dude. Like this we are seeing this fight right now. And then uh, you know, he raises no. his arms and it's like, oh actually he's gotta he's gotta fight this entire army before he even big, gets there. Big time shout out to my my queen, Leanna Mormont. Yeah. Uh she turned into a zombie at the end, but she went out with a real is. G man. She's the She killed a giant. 
yeah, she's the best. I'm so sad she died. But no, it it was a great episode. I just think it has some had some things that didn't really make sense. Very curious to know how. I mean, I think it made more sense than like here is really what I want to know is like how many troops are left. Yeah, we gotta figure out some numbers and some casualties. I'd hate to be a part of the cleanup of that of Winterfell. That's a lot. A lot to do there. Um, no, I bet like logically, it's not like they had like Ned Stark come back from like the dead and you know kill the Night King. <laughs> yeah, and I I don't think that there could have been. I don't think there you're gonna have an an episode to tackle what you to get you where you need to go. That, that kind of undertaking pro- is that yeah. isn't gonna have a problem with it. I think, but. They could have done things in the past two seasons to better set up to this, um, and that's asking a lot. But and I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm satisfied and happy with the episode. I thought it was really cool, and Arya dealing the death blow to the Night King is. Dude, is awesome. Tory Craig is having himself a rough game. They just get knocked again. I might yeah. be a little. I'm lagging a little bit. I've got. But Ennis has been like doing these like half court screens and <laughs> just been getting people. Yeah, he's gonna get knocked at some point. But yeah, so I, I very excited. I was telling you, I'm uh, I'm not oh, gonna be able to shit. catch. Oh yeah, I'm seeing it now. I'm not gonna be able to catch episode the next episode live. So gonna be a little, little bit on delay and i so everyone to, make sure to text ultra if you have his number Nah, please please be kind to me and i don't hit me up until tuesday about game of thrones but well uh i'm excited very excited for the last three episodes to say the least yeah i can't wait to see how cersei dies in the most gruesome way possible <sighs> jamie Maybe I think I do kind of it does right. kind of bother me like all the kind of fan theories and all that and if like all of those just play out at this point like it'll sort of feel like just fan service to me like I want more I want more of these I hope there's a few more just like of these Arya killing the Night King moments yeah I we definitely need some of that I don't want the show to lose its identity with like I and that's why another reason why I really appreciate that is. Looking back on it, they they definitely alluded to what was going to happen a little bit with uh, Melisandre's comments and Arya really being saved. But I also just kind of interpreted that in the moment as like, yeah, she's going to go kill some more White Walkers. Like that's dope. I it wasn't like, oh, she's going to be she's going to kill the Night King right now. I kind of thought she was going. I thought when she ran off, she was like going to the crypts, maybe. Oh yeah, I, I honest when that happened, I had accepted that we weren't gonna. I was like, oh, we're not gonna see the end. We're not gonna see the end here. Oh, uh, that would have pissed me off. If and anything. then this is gonna go into the next episode. No, that would have made me more angry than anything. Uh, but sure enough, like just that, her coming out of absolute nowhere to do that was a surprise, and it's not the same type of surprise as you saw with. Uh, you know, the Viper and the Mountain and the Red Wedding and Joffrey, Joffrey's death. Like, those were on another level. 
but this was more impactful and it was more badass so it was, it was great huge huge ass tv moment man but uh any any quick shout outs before i no, let you go i man? just had the one for my queen leanna mormont yeah very deserved we're not a uh, we're not a large house but we're a proud one that's true she's but my no, hero she's I, my spirit I, I, animal <laughs> yeah she uh she got crushed but she was pretty badass i gave her a lot of credit too um all right peach well <sighs> glad that you're back in town glad uh glad we're we're creeping towards the end of this season here which is kind of sad but you're glad you know that was a weird thing to say i'm not glad i'm glad you're i back. felt pretty good to know that we're this is only the second round yeah, we got in some the play, time. And it's getting and ho- good. Shit's hopefully, good hopefully we have some really good series coming up. All I the first round was lopsided, but I think I think we're still we're gonna get a lot of really good moments ahead of us here. I think so too. Because Denver's uh, trying to come back here at the end. I know this this might have a really good finish here, but um, thank you everyone for listening. We'll have a pod later this this weekend or next week. We'll get back on a regular cadence here at the point forward and the edge.